Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into what is a somber, somber day ahead for us all here. Uh, that mass shooting in Texas yesterday, um, killing as many as 22 or 23, depending on the reports um, this morning, um, including 19 or 22 children, uh, depending on uh, the reports um, that are out there, young kids, uh, two adults, and the mass murderer. I, I've struggled with this one. Um, this is brutal. This is evil. Regardless of race, nationality, mental capacity, laws that were or were not followed, what we do or don't know, what is being speculated, what is being tossed around on the interwebs, and of course, all of the go-to-your-corner tweets of the last 24 hours or so. I don't think anybody can muster the words that it's going to take away the pain that is being felt by these individuals. I don't think anything is going to be able to help the parents or the siblings, or the classmates who watched this slaughter happen. I don't think any laws, I don't think anything short of good people doing good things can stop this. And what I mean by that, good people doing good things, are Good people finding ways to help troubled individuals. Good people saying something when something's not right. Good people not ignoring warning signs. Good people helping those in trouble. Good people acting instead of reacting. And when there's a situation that is unavoidable, to react. And that's exactly what we saw in this case. What we do know is that a Customs and Border Patrol agent did not wait, acted, and stopped the carnage 
from getting even worse. And I'm not going to go into laws that were or were not violated. I'm not going down that road. I, I refuse to go down that road because we simply don't have enough information. And there's a time and place for all of that. There really is. There absolutely is a time and a place to understand, are the laws that we have adequate or inadequate? Is there a new law that could be enacted that would help in these situations? Or do we have laws that were violated? And if they were violated, what modifications could be made to those laws to prevent this type of a situation, if it was even preventable at all. I I just... I, I cannot imagine the pain. I, I really can't. That uh, these individuals are feeling right now. I just... It's heartbreaking. It's sad. Here's what I do know, though. We should feel that sorrow. We should feel that empathy. And we should take the time as a nation, as individuals, to find ways to support those people. To find ways to look within ourselves and ask ourselves if we're healthy, if we're okay, and if not, is it okay to get help? Yes. But most importantly, it is time for us to take some time as a society And mourn. That's all we can do. We can pray. We can be thoughtful. We can act to help that community, to rally for that community. A community by and large uh, populated by people in that school, by the way, populated by people who are Children of Customs and Border Patrol agents. I just... The tragedy that those agents see on a daily basis, uh, hopefully they've got the coping mechanisms. But the only thing that I can say beyond that is that there are some harsh realities that we have to deal with. And I'm not going to talk about necessarily the politics of this or that, because again, this is not the time for that. In fact, um, I'm going to talk to you about um, President Joseph Marinette Biden's um, remarks yesterday in a little bit. And, and it's going to involve um, this call for action. But it is time for us to realize that evil exists in this world. It is time for us to realize that we are living in an age of the spirit of the age otherwise known as the devil. And that evil has come to the surface in our society in various forms throughout the last 15, 20 years, more so than at any point in time in my life. And you can say, well, yeah, you're only 40 years old. What would you know of evil in the 80s and 90s? That's your job as a parent to protect from that evil, right? But it is also not to sugarcoat the world, 
so that you believe there is no such thing as evil in the world. Because for good people to combat evil, you must know, see, understand, and realize what evil looks like. But we also must know that in some cases, here's the harsh reality. This is a tragedy. There are lots of tragedies that happen. Dwayne Haskins dies on a highway in Florida while toxicology reports show that he's high on ketamine and drunk off his ass. Oh, also, in a um, vehicle driven by some, at this point in time, unknown woman who is not his wife. Does it matter? Other than this is the likely thing that caused his death, him being drunk, high. Whether that's an intended thing for depression or not, the combination of ketamine and alcohol, not a good mix in any way, shape, or form. Does that matter? Other than it is a contributing factor, no, it doesn't take away from the tragedy of a man being struck and killed on a highway. We watched here in the city of Chicago as 10 people got shot, two killed, right outside of a subway station and a or an L station, which people in New York would call a subway station. It's just the underground part of the L here in Chicago. Right in front of a McDonald's at like 9, 10 o'clock at night. Not super late, not after midnight. Oh, and um, by the way, still a tragedy. They couldn't clean up the blood and 12 hours afterwards, there's still blood everywhere in the street. And oh, by the way, um, our superintendent of police in the police department were supposed to have an actual posted a member of the police force on duty at that intersection six months ago. Does any of that tell us that this is not still a tragedy? The mass shooting that happened at Millennium Park, the Bean, one of the most iconic symbols here in Chicago. Does the fact that some of these people were criminals taking guns into a mass gathering, shooting it up, does it, does it distract from the fact that the loss of those young lives are still a tragedy? No. Oh, and by the way, one of the people grazed in that shooting was the suspect in at least a half a dozen, if not more, armed robberies throughout Lakeview and Lincoln Park neighborhoods here in Chicago. Ironic that um, that individual also shows up to this mass gathering event and has some karma come his way. Still tragic that he was shot, right? We can still feel the tragedy. We can still feel the, the emotions of the moment, but we need to live in those emotions in the moment. And then we need to calm those emotions down. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I wanted to start the discussion with this. Pure evil is what this was. Regardless of whether this comes from a mental disorder or from some perceived slighting um, or bullying at school or wherever it's coming from. Can we address that and that toxicity in our society? Absolutely. 
Absolutely we can. But let us gather the facts as a society. Let us gather the truth if the media will let us. We have a media right now. And this is where I want to start the discussion of what has been going on since knowledge of the shooting has happened. We have a media who has whitewashed the shooter. All, all I will say is this is an 18-year-old Hispanic man. Does it matter his race? No, not at all to me. Does it matter the ideology? It doesn't matter. What matters is that evil was working through him in one way, shape, or form. Whether that was evil done to him and perpetrating that evil on others, doesn't matter. But to the media, it matters because narrative always matters to them. And I speak to you about the Hispanic part and the whitewashing part because, and I didn't have time to pull the side-by-side the -side picture here for you today, but the media has taken the picture of this individual, clearly a darker-skinned individual, at least very much a Hispanic-looking individual, and made him look white. They have photoshopped his picture to make him look less Hispanic, less brown skin, and more white skinned. Because yes, I am well aware there are there are gringos out there. There are people who are white skinned who are Hispanic. Of course there are. There are black Hispanics. There are brown Hispanics. There are people who are Asian and speak um, Spanish, by the way. Why? In less than 20... Why is that? Why do you need to do that? Because it fits neatly into the narrative that you've been weaving ever since that shooting in Buffalo, right? If... If the American people realize that evil is what's at work here and not uh, white supremacy or whatever other narrative you and the media have been striking out, and whatever you and the media have been trying to give us, suddenly it blows up in your face because it turns out that, um, well, guess what? Um, I can point to... Black people here in Chicago committing mass shootings every almost every single freaking day. I can point to mass shootings of white people. I can point to mass shootings of Hispanics, of Asians, by the way. Um, don't, don't forget that mass shooting that um, happened at a church, right? In, oh, that's right, Asian-on-Asian -Asian violence. What, did, what, did, what does it matter? The common thread here is not race or ideology, it's not race, it's not ideology, it's not any of the things the media has been trying to shove down your throat through reporting, falsehoods, any of that. It's evil. And we must confront that evilness in our society, that spirit of the age that has run rampant in our society. That's what we have to confront. And how do we do it? By being vigilant, by returning to God. Now, some might scoff at that notion. Some of you don't believe in God. Okay, then if you don't believe in God, do you believe in some sort of a moral code? Do you have morality in your life? Or is it just libertine, live and let live, and come what may. If that is the case, then you are readily accepting that evil exists and that you're not going to do anything about it. But for the rest of us that have some sort of moral compass in our lives, those of us that believe in the tenets of a Christian or 
Judeo-Christian or hell, even a Muslim faith, or even in a Buddhist faith, or a Hindu faith. We do believe that evil exists. We do believe that it's worth confronting with love. We do believe that it's worth confronting, period, however you want to define it. Evil should be confronted. But at the end of the day, evil exists. Mental health issues exist. Racism exists. But when that evil wants to work its way through either somebody with mental health issues or somebody who is racist or somebody who has a extreme political ideology, how do you stop that? That is my question to people who have reacted immediately to go to their corners. Whether that's on the left and gun control or seize the guns, or on the right, let me own a nuclear weapon. Can we come to a solution or set of solutions or things that we can do, whether that's through law, whether that's through civil society, whether that is through community, or being vigilant in our own personal lives. What can we do to combat evil? Let's start there. Because I certainly don't trust politicians. And like I said, I'm going to get to that in just a second. But... One of the things that I have discussed time and again when it comes to the absolute awful violence, the continued robberies, shootings, horrific things that are going on here in my city, whether that's on the south side, the west side, and increasingly downtown and into some of these north side neighborhoods over the last six, eight months. If it were just about economics, why is it happening here in um, relatively um, rich, affluent neighborhoods? Why is that happening? Why is the violence escalating into downtown? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? It's because we have a society here in Chicago that doesn't want to confront evil. It wants to blame the system. It wants to blame this and blame that. It doesn't want to look inward. It doesn't want to deal with the spiritual rot in our society. It doesn't want to deal with the fact that um, our society is rot with the spirit of the age. But um, Allie Beth Stuckey um, kind of put the point that I have talked about is that we have to realize as a society that we have to get better at helping young men value life. And as a society, value life. And yes, for the, well, you only care about life of the unborn. For that crowd, I am talking about valuing life. Did I say the preborn, the unborn? No. I believe that as a society, we devalue the lives of young men almost on a daily basis. We devalue their status within society. We devalue their importance. We show them that they're not important. We show them that we don't care about them. We show them through culture through academia, through all sorts of manners, that their life doesn't really have value. 
go to the south side, go to the west side, go to the poorest areas of Chicago and ask those people what if they really deeply do care about their lives. Spend time talking to those types of individuals in your life. Hell, talk to any man in your life or young man that you know and ask them, how do you value your life? Do you feel like society values you? I think you'd be surprised by the answer, but Ali Bestucki has talked about this, and I think this is worth talking about as not just the solution, but a really good place to start. And this is something that we had talked about last year when we were talking about um, being an advocate for liberty and rooting in God. So let's start with Ali Best Stuckey's, uh, this is a Twitter thread. So if you're watching, or not watching, I should say, on our Rumble page, just go to Critical Thinking on Rumble, just search that, or rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Do not forget, you can always follow on social media. I'm at The Coppin Show. Um, and if you're listening via podcast, pause, go over to the Rumble page. You'll like to see these. But Ali Bestucki started her Twitter thread with, we seem to be horribly failing the young men of this country. I agree. We really are. Continuing this, saying that's the one commonality in the vast majority of mass shootings. It's not race or ideology. They're young males. We do absolutely everything wrong when it comes to promoting healthy masculinity, purpose, and goodness for these boys and men. If we really cared, we would be doing everything that we can to promote fatherhood, hard work, and honor. We'd be getting these boys off of the internet and into hobbies and jobs and communities where they can channel their strength. We'd be desperately pushing them towards meaning. She continues, Our denial of innate gender differences coupled with the demonizing of masculine strength don't help. There is nothing more dangerous than a man with nothing to do and no one to live for. And at the end of the day, that is what I have been talking about. By the way, time and again, I've been talking about this. Excuse me. But I've been talking about this idea that oftentimes when you do talk and speak to these individuals, they say they got nothing to live for. I got no one to live for. There's no purpose. There's no meaning to their lives. That's oftentimes what's going on. Well, let's get back to Ali Bestucki. It's much easier to offer meaningless political talking points than it is uh, to reckon with the societal spiritual rot that's eroded our foundations and connections. And most people don't see it because they are contributors to the moral deficit our country faces. Finally, Ali Bestucki had these three tweets. Maybe we should all ask, what are, our, what are our churches, schools, organizations, neighborhoods doing to address this problem? How are we helping fatherless, purposeless boys? Many are already doing good work. We can all do more. There truly has to be a moral revolution, a radical recalibration of our values, a great awakening for anything to change. Impossible without the grace of God and a whole lot of effort on our part. Stucky finishes saying that, according to the Daily Mail, his neighbor, Ruben Flores, 41, said that he had a pretty rough life with his mother and that he had tried to be a father figure to the teen. She then says fatherlessness is one of the um, biggest threats that we face. That's a reality. She spoke a whole hell of a lot of truth. Because my contention here in Chicago and in other violent cities is that if you show purpose, if you give them purpose, if you give them drive, if you give them a want to succeed in a hobby um, outside of laundering money through crazy online videos and quote-unquote rap careers, 
that don't really exist. It's just a, a way for them to launder money in a lot of cases, right? I'm going to go own a studio and I'm a rap star. No, no, you're not. But to give them real actual purpose in the music industry, if they really want to do that, to give them real actual purpose and meaning and drive and support for hobbies or support for becoming better parts of sports organizations or um, teaching them STEM and showing them that that can be cool. Showing them how to do radio, showing them how to do TV production, whatever it might be in this society, right? Instead, I, I got to become a TikTok star. No, 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 you're not. And it's not about crushing their dreams. It's about making them realize, by the way, you could become a TikTok star. That's fine. But uh, do you know the realities behind it? Do you understand what is going on? We don't support. Oftentimes, we just throw them away as a society, as a school district. Hell, even as a church. Because we're oftentimes a church of me these days, right? Me, 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 not a church of we. And yesterday I talked about communion and how Whoopi Goldberg believes it to be that uh, it's about sinners and the sin and washing that away because we're uh, now in communion with the saints. That's not what the Eucharist, what communion actually means in the Catholic faith, right? It might mean or to you in a Protestant faith or in some other faith that it might have that symbolism because to you it is a symbolic gesture. To the Catholic faith, that's not. It is an embodiment of communion with Christ, that we are with Christ in that real, present Eucharist. But I had talked about how they don't understand faith. They don't get that that communion with God is real in the church. They don't get a lot of things about faith. They don't understand that the church is not about you or me. It's about we. And that that communion is about growing in a community that is faithful together. But we, we oftentimes denigrate those who say things about their faith in our society today. We often denigrate every single person who talks about those things. Now, there is one person more than most who, at least from a power standpoint, can speak to the tragedy that is a loss of a child. And that is Joe Marionette Biden, the president of the United States of America, who has lost his son, Bo, to a battle of cancer. And, you know, we, we have time again seen him use Bo Biden as a cudgel in, in political action. So I'm going to congratulate Joe Biden for not doing it here, for not mentioning Bo Biden in his speech. So congratulations, congratulations to Joe Biden for not doing that. I really, really appreciate that. But he gave an 11-minute speech. And I, I calculated and looked at it. It was about a minute and 39 maybe 30 seconds, maybe 40 at, at best, a minute 30 to a minute 40 of his speech. That spoke to the tragedy of loss of a child. That spoke to the tragedy that took place. Spoke to the, the need to mourn in the pain and the suffering. This is what he had to say when it came to that. I'd hoped when I became president, I would not have to do this again. 
another massacre, Uvalde, Texas, an elementary school, beautiful, innocent, second, third, fourth graders. <clears throat> and how many scores of little children who witnessed what happened see their friends die as if they're on a battlefield, for God's sake. They'll live with it the rest of their lives. And yes, they will live with it for the rest of their lives, and we need to support them. We need to make sure they get all the help that they possibly can, and when they are in trouble, or if they are in trouble, we recognize it, and we force them into getting help. We don't sit idly by and say, God, that's such a tragedy. No, that is the action that we need. We need action to help these individuals. Absolutely do. Now, he spoke for about another 45 seconds on this and then went into one of the grossest, most disgusting speeches I have ever heard from a president of the United States. Some of these children hadn't actually even died yet, by the way. At that point, we had known about 19 total people. We still had four or five more to go. And that number could still rise, by the way, from, from now until the time that you are consuming this show, whether that's via podcast on whatever podcasting platform that you have, or whether that's on our Rumble page. However that is. Graves haven't been dug. We haven't even been able to identify all of those who are going to or, or had died already in this tragedy. And it's, for God's sake, for God's sake, for God's sake. I want you to listen to the President of the United States, the guy who said, I'm going to unify the United States of America, not divide. I am going to unify this is him flipping a switch from tragedy to politics. The idea that an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons is just wrong. What in God's name do you need to solve them for except to kill someone? Durant aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on for God's sake. It's just sick. And the gun manufacturers have spent two decades aggressively marking assault weapons, which make them the most and largest profit. For God's sake, we have to have the courage to stand up to the industry. Here's what else I know. Most Americans support common sense laws, common sense gun laws. So many lies, so much bullcrap in there. But I want to hone in on this. What do we need to do about hunting? What do we need? Oh, deer aren't running around with... This is the... The President of the United States. Uh, am, I, am I really supposed to take that argument seriously? Does anybody make that argument on the other side? Hell no. But this is a common argument. This is not the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth time that Joe Biden has made that phrase part of his argument. That's the disgusting part of this. This is the disgusting characterization. What? Who needs that? Why, why, why do you need Kevlar? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? Why do you need an assault weapon? Blah, 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 blah. And then the other side, blah, 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 blah. The, the, the bodies aren't even... The, we haven't even had a chance to, to identify half of these people correctly. But to that point of the Kevlar vests and deer hunting. This just goes to show how little understanding of the, the Second Amendment 
that Joe Biden has. And those on the the anti-gun, I've never fired a gun left, have. The Second Amendment does not exist for the purpose of hunting or sport. It certainly is part of the tradition within the United States of America, correct? It always has been. The hunting and the gathering and the creation of our society and the towns and all that stuff, it happens because we are able to hunt food, to gather food, to plant food. So it's been a tradition, but that is not why the Second Amendment exists. The Second Amendment exists for us, the people, for we, the people, to be able to escape tyranny of government, to be able to fight the forces of government. Well, they've got tanks and airplanes. Okay, well, what were the tanks and airplanes of 1776? Do you believe that the government would not want you to own a, a Cessna? Could be used as a weapon, right? Uh, they don't want you to to own this or that. The reality of the Second Amendment existing is because it is about a well-regulated militia, meaning we the the people gathering and and forming a <clears throat> coalition or a militia to defend against tyranny of government. It is about us versus you. You. Now, you, you might outpower all of us. You might. Absolutely, you might. You probably do. But when you take away our ability to defend against your tyranny... What's left? Look at Australia. Look around the globe as they watch their, their ability to defend and to stand up to their government tyrannical action. Look what took place during COVID-19 in, in some of these parts. New Zealand. Take a look at what happened in Australia. Quarantine camps. Take a look at what's going on in North Korea and in um, China and in Cuba and in other places where you have no rights to like to guns, you have no right to stand up to the government how you see fit. That is the fundamental misunderstanding. The 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 I'm going to talk about something completely that is a non sequitur to this. What do you need that for hunt? I don't need it for hunting. Nobody needs it for hunting, by the way. An AR-15 is not exactly a great hunting rifle, by the by. But it is a common weapon for the common defense of us, the people, from you, the government. Period. Point blank. But Biden was not done struck me was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. Why? They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency that happen in America. Why? Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? It's time to turn this pain into action for every parent, for every citizen in this country. We have to make it clear to every elected official in this country, it's time to act. It's time for those who obstruct or delay or block the common sense gun laws. We need to let you know that we will not forget. We can do so much more 
We have to do more. Our prayer tonight is for those parents lying in bed and trying to figure out. And that is the end of his speech. And, and, and you know, he goes right back into uh, from outrage to I'm about to cry. Pain into action. Pain into action. That is the dumbest advice a president of the United States has ever given. I'm going all in there. Can you turn your pain into action eventually? Yes, you can. But that's not what's going on here. You are literally dancing on the not even dug graves of what, third or fourth graders in Texas. You are literally turning this tragedy into political action. Political action. We have to turn pain into action. This is one of the worst political tricks that get played. We don't need pain into action. We need pain into understanding. We need to live within that pain right now. That is the reality in front of us. What do I mean by that? What do I possibly... What could I pray tell mean by all of that? I want you to think of this. I really do want you to think of this. Pain into action. Pain into action of 9-11 gave us the Patriot Act. How's that working out? It's one of the worst things our government has done in the last 40, 50 years of our society. The Patriot Act. They capitalized on the pain that America felt on that terrorist attack. Not into, hey, we need more interagency cooperation. Into literally transforming our quote-unquote security apparatus to the point where we're citizens being spied on willy-nilly, um, no matter what, secret FISA courts, secret this, secret that, uh, defying laws and courts oh we're not doing it we're just wink wink paying a third party to do it see private citizens can do this but uh and, and then turn that data over to the the nsa or the cia or the fbi they, they can do that work but uh, we can't wink wink right oh how did that happen oh well a, a third party a concerned third party turned it no, you are actually paying them to do so. That's what the result of that pain into action gave us. What we need is time to live in the emotion and then time to have a logical discussion on, hey, this law was violated. How could we strengthen this law or realize that this law sucks? Or, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make an example out of the person who screwed up and allowed that law to be violated. That's what we're going to do. Because if you're a gun dealer and you sold that gun to that 18-year-old illegally, throw the book. Throw the book. Let that be a lesson to every other gun dealer in the state of Texas, in the United States of America, that if you don't follow the law, you're as guilty as the person who committed the crime. Could that be something that we could discuss? Could that be the common sense gun laws that you speak of? I'd be very interested to see all of the, we just need common sense gun law crowd Talk actual 
compromise with those who believe that we have to have strong gun rights to protect us from government. Because oftentimes, that's not the argument that's being had here. It really isn't. And there is a time and a place for that argument, and we should definitely discuss that. Now is not that time nor that place. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to discuss Joe Biden as well in some saying of the quiet part out loud when it comes to electric vehicles and uh, modernization. And uh, we're going to talk about infrastructure because this is something that I have pretty intimate knowledge of, um, having worked at a company that is at the forefront of mobility as a service or mass, um, and in the revolution of how you interact with parking garages and all sorts of things within that mobility, that last mile, and understanding infrastructure of mobility. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss um, a whole bunch of other things on the show. But until tomorrow, please be smart, be safe, and be kind. Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.